Hello, and welcome to a podcast series brought to you by the FI Group. FI Group are leaders in the field of R&D tax and for over 20 years have been helping companies fund their innovation. I'm Amber Farrington, a consultant with FI Group, and in today's episode, we are joined by two guests, Alistair Hall, Sales Director at FI Group UK, and Bruce Kletsky, Managing Director at FI Group USA. As leaders in the field of R&D tax, here at FI Group, we have seen many companies grow and expand over the years. In this episode, we will be looking at global expansion in depth, focusing on some useful tips for success when going global. We will also compare the similarities between the US and UK R&D incentives. And to finish, Bruce and Ali will tell us some of their client success stories. Hi, Bruce. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell our listeners uh, a bit about yourself and FI Group US? Thanks, Amber. I'm Bruce Kletsky. I'm the Managing Director for the FI Group US with offices in Chicago and New York. I lead a team of technical experts consisting of tax, engineering, IT, law, and business operations. My specialty is helping corporations obtain the R&D tax incentive. The purpose of the R&D incentive is simply to reduce corporate income and payroll taxes. I have focused on this discipline for over 25 years and have successfully represented in excess of 600 corporations. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Hi, Ali. Thank you for joining as well. Uh, Similarly, could you give us some information about yourself and FI Group UK? Yeah, of course. A quick introduction to myself. I joined FI Group about four months ago as the UK sales director to come in lead the sales team within the UK and really replicate the success we've had around the world in the world of R&D funding. So my background personally, I've been in the R&D world for seven years. My particular experience is around R&D tax, but also with the R&D grants. So particularly in the UK, Innovate UK and Horizon Europe with our European partners and member states. Also some experience helping the larger corporates and more innovative IP-rich companies with Pattern Box. In the UK, our main focus is, is very simple. We are Our aim is to really help companies bring their emerging technologies to market. What we look to do is to really embed ourselves in their culture, so really getting a deep understanding of what they've done from a technological point of view in the past, what they're currently working on, and really kind of getting an understanding of their projects in the future. With this kind of knowledge, we're well placed to be an advisor on all things R&D funding, help drive extra knowledge into the business and extra fund into the business, which can only help them bring their technologies to market quicker. Well, thank you both for joining. Uh, Could you tell us more about your teams in the USA and UK, uh, their experience in R&D and what advantages this offers? The true advantage of FI Group, transparency and education. Our team not only understands the R&D tax regulations, but also understands how business operates and how to apply traditional and non-traditional business projects and activities to the R&D incentive. This approach maximizes the credit. In the US, we have developed a customized software program that creates a structured platform that helps educate our clients and manages the documentation process. This process exceeds IRS guidelines. 
Not only do we provide a written deliverable, but we also record the conversations of our clients' technical activities so that it meets and exceeds the R&D tax guidelines. Yeah, so in the UK, we're a, we're a growing sales team. At the moment, there's currently six of us. Um, and experiences range across from people who have got experience in the R&D world and people who have got experience from kind of a more of a software SaaS related background. It's actually an amazing mix to have in our team because we've got people who obviously know the R&D world, understand the ins and outs of the legislation and can really help our clients understand how to use it in their business. Wow. Well, it sounds like you both have really great teams. Um, what advantages does having so much global R&D tax incentive experience offer both of your respective teams? Yeah, working for FI Group is, is really exciting. So at the moment, based out of 13 countries, and that kind of experience on a global level of the R&D tax initiative is really helping my team deliver extra value to my, our clients. So not only are we able to assist them on the UK, but there's so many choices now for companies, particularly as the world goes virtual. Do you set up in America? Do you set up in Europe? Do you set up in APAC? And having that knowledge working for a larger group who are globally based with R&D incentives is really allowing us to add extra value to our clients and really allowing them to make more strategic decisions. Most of our clients in the U.S. have a global presence. I get numerous compliments because of our education, global consistency, efficiency of our process, digital tools, transparency of methodology, and understanding of our clients' global footprint. Bottom line, this approach maximizes the R&D benefit and creates a best practice. Plus, by understanding our clients' business initiatives, we can help identify other initiatives or grants, both state and federal. Earlier, I mentioned companies and global expansion. Why should R&D funding be a key discussion when expanding globally? Uh, Ali, let's maybe start with you. So yeah, I recently wrote an article on our website about kind of the relationship between R&D and as companies expand globally. For me, R&D funding, it has its obvious benefits. It's extra cash back into the business. But really having a detailed knowledge of funding globally is what helps companies to expand and make the difference when they're breaking into those new markets. We know the burn rate, people get free cash quite quickly. And it's understanding having the right people, the right teams at the right time and having access to extra funds is key for me. And the main thing about going global and where R&D really is helpful is if you look at the success of all companies who expand quickly internationally, it's about finding the right talent and accelerating when you can hire that right talent into the business. And if you utilize research and development funding in the correct way, not only are you getting the cash, but you're getting the visibility on when cash will be coming to the business, you can make better, more informed, quicker decisions about bringing in the right talent and that talent of the people who are going to spearhead your growth in those new countries. Recently, Congress initiated the PATH Act. One of the main components is that startup companies can now benefit from the R&D tax incentive. Why is that? 
because R&D activities and expenses will be applied to corporate payroll taxes. What are payroll taxes? Payroll taxes generally fall into two categories, deductions from an employee's wages and taxes paid by the employer based on employee's wages. The R&D tax incentive minimizes both. This is a huge benefit for any company in the United States that is five years old or less and has U.S. employees and wages. It really doesn't matter if where, where, where the IP is or where corporate headquarters are located. Bottom line, the purpose of the R&D credit is for startups, is for a reduction, tax reduction minimization. Now, looking at global expansion and the challenges faced when growing a global tech startup, Ali, what do you see being some of the main areas that might be particularly difficult to navigate when expanding globally? Yeah, so companies who expand quickly, and this is my experience of talking to my clients and being part of companies who have expanded globally, there are some significant challenges. There's the obvious ones, so it could be a new language. It could be time zone based. It could be cultural based. For example, you can have an amazing value proposition in your particular market and you've got a great way of articulating it. When you go across two different cultures and two different countries, that may not that might not translate as you wish it to do. For example, the way that sales operates in the UK is actually very different to how sales operates in America. So that kind of learning and immersing yourself in how business works in your the new countries you go to is fundamentally the biggest challenge that companies are facing. The biggest challenge is finding people, then identifying their target market and demonstrating the value of their service. And so what tips for success would you have for companies looking to go global? Yeah, I've mentioned on it a couple of times. Success for me when going global it's all about having the right people. It is people that grow your company. It is people who will put in the extra yards to get your brand out there. And it is fundamentally, if you have good people, you'll be successful. If you don't have the right people, it becomes a bit more of a challenge. So take the time to really understand the type of people that you need for that market. What I found really interesting is I was doing some reading on companies who receive private equity funding. And by the time that companies get to their Series E funding round, on average, they'll employ 33% of their R&D team out of their original company. So really understanding the point to when to hire a tech team is also very, very critical for success. What the success stories look like is everyone starts with a sales team but actually you're going to want developers in those time zones there's going to be different requirements different functionality needed different tech different manufacturing capabilities different services you need to offer based on that local market so having local people who understand that market is an amazing way to really accelerate your expansion I have found that there is quite a bit of equity money available, especially when the company has a global presence. A startup company must identify the quality of the job market and where is their company base located.
Wow, thanks. You've both highlighted some great key areas that companies should definitely look out for when they're expanding. Moving on from global expansion, can you tell me about the R&D tax incentive systems in each of your countries, uh, the history of these incentives uh, with any recent changes, uh, and qualifying industries and activities? Yeah, that was really important to understand it. So yeah, the, the UK R&D tax scheme has been around for about 21 years now. It started in 2000. Um, and there's two parts to it. So it's all around pushing the UK economy forward. And the two different schemes available are for companies and groups of companies under 500 staff. And then the second one naturally is for those over 500 staff. Now, it's all changing. Um, and it will change in the future with the recent announcement that corporation tax will be rising to 25%. But at the moment, for the groups of companies under 25, under 500 staff, sorry, the benefit is between 25 and 33%, depending on your tax position. Um, so if you're profit-making, that just comes as a straight reduction in your corporation tax. If you're loss-making, you have the option to either take it as financial losses to offset against tax in the future, or to surrender those losses back to HMRC and take the cash equivalent. For the companies who are over 500 staff, it's an above-the-line credit. So it comes in, it comes, it sits above the line, and that's a 13% relief. So for every pound you spend, you get 13p back above the line. Um, and in terms of the scope of it, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. It's probably not the best bedtime reading, but HMRC talk about projects looking to seek and achieve an advancement in science and technology. From my experience, that's really companies who are experts in what they do and come across projects where they regularly need to innovate and take their own knowledge forward and above and beyond what they can find in the public domain. So what they can find in journals, what they can find in communities, what they can find on Google. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something brand new. A competitor can do it. We know that competitors will keep hold of certain technological advancements as their own IP and they won't reveal it. So companies who spend time problem solving around the use of technology will typically kind of have R&D based on the UK legislation. And I've got clients through to, to pig farms, right through to some of your, your larger pharmaceuticals. The R&D incentive has been around for about 40 years, but the definition and qualifications of R&D has been simplified and expanded. Now, engineering, process improvement, and executive supervision qualify as an R&D activity. Also, activities that are frequently missed, technical sales, functional and economic production, failure, customization, materials, reliability, performance, engineering, testing, new documentation requirements, originally contemporaneous documentation, and time tracking were required, but these requirements are no longer necessary or required. So a question for you both. What challenges do you see for startups in the UK versus the US? One of the first questions we want to identify is if our client research is funded versus non-funded. Basically, who assumes the risk of the project? We want an understanding on how our clients get compensated and who owns the research. This, can, this could determine if their business activities and expenses qualify. 
Next question we need to identify is, can a startup utilize the credit? A startup, a startup also has the ability to go back prior tax years without amending their tax returns. Utilizing the tax credit is, at times is a challenge, but startup companies are allowed to carry forward the credit up to 20 years. Yeah, great question. Question I get asked nine times out of ten when I'm meeting startups. Um, and I wish there was a, a golden answer. We know that the world of running a startup is becoming more and more challenging from a funding point of view. We've seen over the last couple of years that private equity, they're taking a shift away from um, investing in startups and more investing into kind of your established or high growth companies. But for me, the main challenge of running a startup is twofold. It's one, it's been able to articulate and get your value proposition to market. So a lot of startups will not hire a sales team early doors and they'll kind of go word of mouth and marketing. Um, which, which in itself causes its challenge, but as long as you're getting to market and getting your voice out there and you've got a great articulation of what you do, then that is goes half, that's half the battle. But for me, the, the main challenge is when you're bringing new technology, new services, new products to market, it's about speed. We, we've seen in the past the company that gets there first typically is the company that can ride the crest of the wave. All right, now moving on to the really interesting stuff. Would both of you be able to share some uh, successful experiences that your clients have had in claiming back R&D tax? Yeah, success stories of some of my clients who've claimed back R&D tax. So um, I want to keep this podcast nice and short, so I won't go into too much detail because there's so many. And they're all around all the success stories I've ever seen. It's all not around the cash the client can get back, but it's what that cash has allowed them to do. And all my favourite success stories is the ones where it's, it's helping them hire more people. So the um, greatest example I can talk about is a software platform. Great platform, great technology. Um, and, but their biggest challenge for them was getting their value proposition out there. They just weren't having enough inquiries come through their marketing. As, as, as people will know, when normally when you're talking about something novel, it changes scary. So sometimes that novel solution is not the one that you look at when you go shopping for particular services. So for them, they were really struggling to get their voice out there. Um, as everyone will know, when running a startup, you don't automatically have a, an open check, so you can't invest in everything. So for them, the R&D tax was a lifeline. It was the opportunity to claim back. For them, they actually received 80000 over their first two claims. For them, it was the opportunity to go out, hire two business developers, just to go and have conversations, get their brand out there, get the conversation starting. And as a result, the technology spoke for itself. And they, when I worked with them, they were a £5 million turnover business. And they are now turning over, I believe, between 35 and £40 million. One of our startup clients has developed a personalized virtual interface. Originally, we identified the benefit to be about $30,000 per year. After interviewing our clients' engineers, software developers, and senior leadership, the credit more than doubled because their activities were non-funded. So they got the R&D benefit. 
Our experienced technical team also reviewed and identified our client's history, accomplishments, future projects, along with their supply costs. This comprehensive review more than doubled the credit than we anticipated. Wow, really interesting stuff. Love to hear it. So finally, why should companies consider R&D funding to be a part of the discussion when thinking globally? The R&D incentive is one of the most robust incentives in the U.S. Plus, over 33 states also apply the credit. Some countries have a minimum or maximum benefit. The U.S. has endless boundaries. So why should you consider R&D funding when you're thinking about going global? For me, it's actually not even about the cash, which sounds ironic working for a company that um, services about getting cash back into your business. For me, it's about the knowledge. Knowledge is power. And obviously, the more informed you are, the more knowledge you have, the better decisions you're going to make. The better decisions that you make, the quicker you're going to establish a foothold in what you're doing. So the best example, and, and Bruce is more qualified than myself to talk about it, but if you look at America, if you're going into America and you're looking into R&D funding, the state that you choose could be the difference between receiving either just the federal scheme or the federal and the state scheme. Uh, and so many companies are unaware of this type of knowledge before they do their expansion. And sometimes by the time they expand into new places, new countries, it can almost be too late. There's some examples at the moment. So there's an R&D tax scheme based out in Singapore, which is very, very attractive. But some companies, just natural, their natural instinct is go to straight to Hong Kong. And in this virtual world that we now live in, the location of your office is nowhere near as important as it used to be 15 years ago. Well, thank you so much, Bruce and Ali, for the insight you both have provided into the U.S. and U.K. R&D tax schemes. It has been great speaking with you both. So that's it for this month's episode. Uh, thank you very much to our guests and for everyone uh, listening in. If you liked this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out how we can help fund your innovation, head to fi-group.com for more information. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening.